Welcome to HackerPod. I'm April Lin. And I'm Josh. And this is the journey of two young indie hackers who recount the good, the bad, and the ugly of building profitable online businesses. You'll hear about our successes, and more importantly, you'll hear about our mistakes so that you don't make them. Hi, Josh. So um, I met you on Twitter. I forget exactly mm-hmm. how we met on Twitter, like what, what that first interaction was. Do you remember? Um, <laughs> no, but it'd be very easy for me to find in the next. Actually, no, we talk a lot. It's not easy to find. Yeah. I have no idea. I think I just DM'd you and I was like, thanks for following me. Or I don't know. <laughs> Something yeah, like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But we we ended up growing like be, becoming friends which was awesome um i think you, you were one of my i guess first closer friends on twitter there's a while where i was just kind of floating around shouting into the void thinking like no one actually cares that i'm here and i don't know anyone else um but it was great getting to get to know you a little, a little bit better and then one day you asked me you're like hey berlin let's let's start a podcast together and I mean, obviously I said yes, which is why we're having this conversation right now, but like, why are we doing this podcast, right? There are zillions of other podcasts out there, um, you know, a ton of them within the startup and indie hacker realm. So why are we here? Why are we doing this now? Yeah. So I had mentioned this to you earlier, but I was listening to the Indie Hackers podcast and I think I heard Cortland, uh, just say a bunch of times that everyone should start a podcast or everyone should try it because it's a beautiful audio recording that you could look back and it's just very precious in a way that photos aren't because you really get context from your voices and your conversations that you can't derive from photos or sometimes video. Um, so I wanted to give it a shot because of how much I listen to podcasts. And also, I think we're doing something cool. I think we're cool people. And I think we're, I don't know, people might want to hear what we have to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I did listen to that same um, episode of Indie Hacker podcast. And that's when I started thinking, you know what? Maybe this is a good idea. I guess before, I guess some context on me. I have, I've never really been super into listening to podcasts. Um, I listened to a couple on like long road trips, like cross-country road trips that I did. And then recently on your recommendation, I've been listening to the Indie Hackers podcast while on like on my daily roller skate. So just starting to get into like what podcasts are. Um, and when I thought about podcasts, it was always in the lens of, okay, this is for other people to listen to, right? And to provide value to other people. And I was thinking, well, I think I have value to provide to other people. That's why I'm active on Twitter. Um, but can I do it in podcast form? I'm not sure when you're talking so much and, you know, do you run out of content? Maybe you mess up. Um, it's, it's different from, you know, a curated edited tweet that you release. However, after listening to that episode, I realized, yeah, it's for other people who listen to it, but it's also for yourself. Um, and it provides yeah. value to you in ways that you might not even realize until three years down the line and you're listening into it again so yeah I guess that's that's why we're doing this yeah yeah no I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you why you said yes Um, (laughs) because it seemed like you were hesitant at first I'm glad you said yes uh 
So yeah. And in response to the nervousness that comes with it, I think there's something really endearing about just raw audio and just raw me stuttering or like not knowing what to say immediately. And I don't know, I just think it, it has a lot of personality because that's how conversations are in real life. That's, and, yeah. yeah, that's, that, that, that's true. I guess on the other side, right, it's like the, the battling per- perfectionism side of it, right, which is you want to create this persona that you release out into the public world, right? It's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm Josh and I know what I'm doing enough to put it out there, right? Um, when in reality, I don't know, we're hot messes. Um, so it's, it's tricky to put out, I guess, a more raw, realistic version of yourself when you're used to maybe being more careful with the type of image that you, I guess, release out into the world. But it's, it's fun. It's a challenge. And I agree with you. I do think that people like that, especially now we've kind of moved into this world, like away from Photoshop, like, you know, more towards real raw people, which I think is also why podcasts are on the rise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, speaking of images, uh, I'm just curious, maybe I'm diving into questions too quickly, <laughs> but now that you brought it up, I'm just curious, like, what ideal image you are trying to present about who you are into the world? Yeah, that's, that, that's a good question. I think it's it's constantly changing. I guess it's when I'm building out my, my personal brand and I won't pretend to know exactly what my personal brand is yet. Um, I think I'm still creating it as I move along. But part of that right now is, okay, I'm a female, young entrepreneur out here in this world, trying to make an impact. I know enough to be able to teach others about what I'm doing, because I do have some experience within the entrepreneurship realm, within startups, um, and especially in the context of Tenderfoot, which we'll get into later, you know, I do have experience in that area. And I guess I, I want to be a, a positive force out there, you know, spreading positivity and encouragement to other young makers out there who, you know, maybe are feeling less confident. And so part of that is presenting enough confidence to encourage them to do it. It also showing enough of the downs so that they don't feel like they're alone when they experience them. So that's kind of what I'm trying to balance, but I guess there, there's also the fear of like, uh, and, the, and, and this goes back to imposter syndrome, right? It's like, oh no, what if I'm exposed as an imposter who actually has no idea what she's doing and everything is a fraud, right? Which obviously it isn't. And I know this, uh, you know, intellectually, but when it comes to like deep, dark thoughts at night, you know, those, that's what kind of yeah. starts to creep in. Of course. And um, no, that's so sweet. I, well, I'll just say, I think you're doing a really good job of that. Um, but before we get into it anymore, I think it'd be nice for you to just tell listeners about what you're doing and who you are, um, just because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I, I think we should both do that, but I'm happy to, to, to start it off. So um, yeah, I am April Lynn, and I'm currently building Tenderfoot which is a platform that's designed to connect students looking for internships at startups with the internships at startups themselves. 
I am um, creating this for a couple of reasons, but one, and there's a story that we can get into later, but basically I had this life-changing experience um, by serendipity at this startup um, my sophomore year of college, and it completely changed my life. And now whenever I speak to college students, one of the pieces of advice that I tell all of them is uh, intern at a startup. Um, you might like it, you might not, but either way, you're going to have an incredible experience. And I get them all on board and hyped up and they was like, yes, I want to intern at a startup. Definitely. Where can I find one? And that's kind of when the steam of that conversation goes downhill because I've looked at a lot of different areas for it. Um, and some do exist, but there's really not a great selection out there. So that's why I'm building Tenderfoot. And then on the side, I'm also starting to create a Twitter course of how to get your first 1000 quality followers on Twitter. So that's like an entire other journey by itself. I guess those are the two main things that I'm working on, yeah. Sweet, yeah. And I'm really excited for the Twitter course because the engagement that you see on your tweets is really incredible and so much more than I see anyone else with even more followers. I think mm-hmm. every tweet I see from you gets around like 60 to 100 likes. So you are definitely doing something right. And there's a lot to learn from you. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And we can definitely get more into like the, the reasons why and engagement later. But how about you yeah, introduce yeah. yourself and the cool things that you're building? Yeah, so I'm Josh. I graduated college last year and I'm building a mobile app for film lovers. So it's based off this popular tweet by hello underscore Caitlin. And she says, okay, I'm stone, but this seems like a good idea. What if there was an app that both you and your partner have where you both swipe right or left on movies that are on your streaming services. And when you find a match, it lets you know. And this got 479,000 likes. Wow. Yeah, and I didn't intend for this to be a product that I profit off of. I kind of just made it for me and my partner. Um, And I took it as an experience to learn how to make a mobile app. But then I started, you know, posting about it. I posted on Reddit, I posted on Hacker News. And I've seen a lot of users come. I have around 2,000 now in the last month. And their usage on it is pretty insane. They've swiped on 180,000 movies. So I'm like, okay, I think there's something here and I should keep going with it. Yeah, that's huge. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I still haven't figured out how to monetize it, uh, but I'm kind of not too worried about that. I know a lot of people would tell me that I should be, um, but I figure that as long as I just keep making it better and keep inviting users, the rest will come. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome, and I, I'm so excited to see where this goes. Your traction is obviously amazing. Um, yeah, and it's I I agree with you, and I think that like when when we were starting Tenderfoot too, it was a question that we asked ourselves, which is how are we going to monetize? Um, and I kept pushing that back because I thought our priority with this shouldn't be to monetize because we started Tenderfoot as a side project just to, you know be a fill this gap where no one else is and to really help students and help startups. And, you know, at first, like our our priority is to make matches, to get students internships and to create amazing experiences. And we can worry about money later. 
neither myself nor my co-founder really need the money right now. We both have full-time jobs. So, you know, at the forefront of our mind is not how do we monetize and squeeze out as much money as possible. It's how do we best serve the people using our platform? And I think that with uh, WeWatch or whatever you plan on naming your app later down the line, because I know that you're, you're, you don't like that for some reason. I think it's a cool name. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I mean, the, the, the priority there, I think, should just be uh, making something that people use and people like and people return to. And then mon- monetization can come down later. Yeah. And I think this, I think you're touching upon something that I've seen that distinguishes us from some other indie hackers um, in that, well, I can't speak for you, but I personally don't care to get super rich or like squeeze as much money as I can out of this. Um, Mm -hmm. And it doesn't sound like you are either because it sounds like you are genuinely just trying to help students and help startups. Um, So, well, first of all, is that true? or are you trying to become as rich as you can? Uh, definitely not trying. Well, okay, I'll say I do like money. I'll put that out there. Yes, I do like money. <laughs> yeah. um, and and one day, obviously, I want to be able, like the, the dream is to make as much money as I can to be comfortable in a lifestyle that I can support and not feel like, not, 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 not feel worried about mm-hmm. um, money, right? That's, that's, that's the optimal dream is to make enough so that I don't worry about having enough money to X, Y, Z. With, with Tenderfoot, like it's, it's more the idea of, of scale and the number of people that we can help that really drives us as opposed to the money that we can get out of it. So, yeah, I, I think that you're, you're right on the money. And one like one day, yes, I would want to build something that I can, you know, make money off of, but that's, I don't make products to make money, right? I make products to help people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I totally agree. And I mean, we watch isn't doing anything as admirable as yours, uh, but I just make it because I think it's a really fun idea and I like using it with my friends and my friends like using it. I see all these people that also like using it and I get emails and really nice reviews and it's just a cool feeling. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a programmer. I'm a mm-hmm. software engineer and I use those skills at work for things that are a lot less fun. So I'd rather just do the most fun I can. Um, and for me right now, that's building out this mobile app and watching it grow and helping people find some movies to watch Um, yeah what what I really love about your app is that it's fun and I think honestly that's like that's a lot of what's missing at least in my own feed when I scroll through lots of indie hackers that are out there on Twitter a lot of the the fun is missing right I see a lot of the hustle I see a lot of the grind I see a lot of charts and charts going up or charts going down I see a lot of sass, but I don't see a lot of fun. Um, and that's and that's something that I really like with watching your journey is that, wow, this seems like fun. It seems like he's having fun doing it. And so then I have fun watching it. Thank you. I really appreciate that because sometimes I, I get, I wouldn't quite go as far as to say imposter syndrome, but 
when you're right, I see everyone making like really serious B2B software as a services. And I don't know, they're <laughs> making a lot of money off it. They're, uh, and it's just really serious. It's super serious and that's totally fine. But then I come into the space, into this community and I'm like, yeah, I'm just making this silly little app. It's really fun. And uh, sometimes it feels like I'm in the wrong place. Um, but I appreciate that you said that. It makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there, there's space in this realm, I guess, for everyone. But mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're right, and you're, it's, it's right. I've not, it's what I've noticed that there just there aren't a lot of people making little fun things, and I think it's because we've we've just glorified right this build up recurring revenue over time, this really serious you know, software app or product that you can release to the world, when in reality, there are so many other little opportunities that, that you can do and have more fun with. And I think that it, it, it echoes a lot of, of what I see with Daniel Vasallo, right, which is like in making small bets, because I think, okay, well, making a lot of small, fun bets could actually be better than making one very serious bet when that thing that it's very serious that you put all of your eggs in doesn't work out and you might not have a lot of fun doing it versus if you make 100 things that are fun, maybe five of them work out, but that's already huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was just listening to Daniel's uh, Indie Hackers podcast where he just talks about how to how he's doing this because he wants a better lifestyle and I don't know, that, that really resonates with me. And I totally agree with you in that if I'm not having fun doing it, then to me, there's no point. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't want to spend any time doing something that I find boring uh, because I already have to do that for work. Right. The whole, the whole point of doing my side projects. Um, and if I can make money doing something I find fun, then like, <laughs> my dreams are made you know yeah one one question that I, that I have for you is I guess what's what's your what's your goal with the apps that you're building right now right do you want to build them solo and then sell them for a profit later on do you want to bootstrap to a, a size where you can hire others do you want to eventually raise you know like what's what's your goal or, or what, what's your strategy for this yeah that's a great question Uh, because I think about this a lot (laughs) and I don't (laughs) quite have an answer. I know that I don't want to raise and I've seen a lot of people go the VC route. Actually, you could probably speak to this more than me after um, because I don't know too much about it. But the reason I want to do these things is because I, like like I've said multiple times, I find work boring. I don't want to sit in front of my screen for 40 hours a week. Hopefully your employer isn't listening to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Sorry, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I find it boring. And if I could, you know, not do that, I will do my best to make it happen. And of course, you know, uh, with that being said, people might be thinking, well, you might want to try the more serious SaaSs that you've been talking about. Um, 
but again, the, the goal for me is just to be able to quit. But if I'm quitting and working on something I don't find fun, I'm in the same situation. So I want to be able to quit and just work on what I want and, you know, travel and just enjoy my life, work, work a little part-time uh, and just, yeah, enjoy life. That's pretty much my goal. Enjoy life. That's a good goal. It's a good goal. Um, oh, and to speak on whether I want to hire someone at some point or work, whether I want to work solo. Um, I've worked with people many times and um, I'm pretty sporadic in my work ethic. Like I'll do a week straight where I'm super motivated and I'm like, yes, I'm going to put everything into this. Um, and I won't be necessarily become unmotivated the next week, but I'll probably be like, eh, I want to try something else. And I'll try something else and I'll take a break. Um, and I don't think that's really sustainable or fair to someone that I would be working with if I brought them in. So as of right now, I would like to work alone as much as I can. Um, and I don't know, maybe one day that will change because I meet someone really, really cool and really chill who's on the same page as me. Um, but for now, I don't really want to take that risk of being unfair to anyone. And I like the flexibility of, I do it when I want to, and there's no pressure not to. Uh, so yeah, I'd like to keep it like that as long as I can. Nice. Yeah. It's there. There are definitely pros and cons of working with someone and not as well as, you know, in the lens of having a co-founder and also the lens of, of hiring someone because those are two separate things. Um, with, with having a co-founder, I, so I have a co-founder for Tenderfoot and in the startup that I started before this, Vivi, which was in the senior care industry, I had a different co-founder for that. And I'm having kind of two separate experiences with that for Vivi, my co, we, we were both full-time on Vivi because this was right after I graduated. So I still had a couple of months before my job started and my, my co-founder, he had quit his job before we actually met the startup that I used to work for. Um, and he was, he actually started a different company. And then when I told him about mine, I convinced him to leave that and join mine as co-founder. And so we, we were both full-time on it. So we had a lot of the same expectations. And so we were in communication pretty much all day, every day, talking, working, and it was a very close type of working relationship. And I feel like we, we both pushed each other very well. And one of the big upsides is that, you know, he was a developer and he was very, you know, ops heavy versus on my side, it's more like sales and marketing and design. And so we had very complementary skills. So I felt like our synergy working together um, definitely pushed us a lot further than, than we would have if either of us were solo. However, now as I switch to what we're doing with Tenderfoot, both myself and my co-founder are working on this part-time. And then because our schedules are different and we're in different time zones, it becomes a bit more tricky in managing the same expectations and when to work and when not to, and when to sync up and when to you know, work asynchronously. And it's, I definitely feel you in that it's, it's tough, um, especially when, when both parties have different expectations or different work styles, mm -hmm. it's tough. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I do have another project that I'm working on 
And I work on it with a really close friend of mine. And we have just tried for a month and a half straight to sit down and work together at the same time. And it just never works out because Mm -hmm. I'm tired or he's tired or he's going out or I'm going out. And um, it's not... Yeah, it just hasn't been ideal for me. Uh, I mean, we're still really close friends, so nothing would ever get between that. Um, but it is frustrating, and sometimes I wonder, like, uh, if I were working on this alone, maybe it'd be done, or maybe it wouldn't, and there wouldn't be this, like, pressure that it should have been because I have more people. Uh, I don't know. But the synergy that you described at, with your experience at Vivi does sound very uh I don't know that does sound like something I would want at some point so something to think about because right now working on WeWatch it it gets pretty intense at some points because I don't know I don't want to get too technical but making a mobile app there's so many moving parts and I'll like have to make sure the databases running well and I don't really know anything about databases uh, or like how to optimize them so I actually right before this I just fixed this bug where I I was just loading way too much stuff so if you would like look at your movie it would load every single country and like every provider that the movie is showing in that country and it would just crash my app and so I would have to like edit the database. I would have to edit the server. I would have to redeploy the server. And then I would have to like check the client of the app itself to make sure it's working. And then on top of all that, I got to do marketing. So it's like, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely see how working with someone else would alleviate some of that and make it better for me. And I think at some point I will have to do that if I really want to grow it out as much as I can. Yeah. Makes sense. It makes sense. Um, yeah, so I, I have some questions for you about the apps that you're building. Um, and one of them is, you know, what's what's been one of the biggest challenges thus far in, in building out either one of your apps? Yeah. Um, so for WeWatch specifically, I think one of the biggest challenges for me has been patience. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I'm a pretty impatient person and uh, I'm working on it. Uh, but there are times where I'm like, oh, this, this is like never going to grow and it's over. Um, (laughs) (laughs) which is ridiculous because it'll be like, oh, I gained 20 users today. But last week when I had this viral article or not viral, but hit the front page of Hacker news. I got a thousand users, and this week I only got a hundred. Like it's over, which is totally ridiculous. And I just have to keep reminding myself that like every app that is popular has been around for a very long time, and it takes a long time. Like Tinder started in 2013. I don't think I had ever heard of it until 2016. Um, which, which is a long time. And I just have to keep reminding myself that like everything has to start somewhere and it takes a lot of time and takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of love. Um, plus 
I'm, I'm not the only person that saw this tweet that inspired the app. So I see a lot of other people, not, not too many, but uh, I'll see other people make the app and I'll see it pop up and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, like it's over. Right. <laughs> uh, this, per- this person did it and they like made this improvement that I didn't make. Um, but yeah, I, I just have to keep grinding at it. And it seems like nobody else that is making this app is trying to grow it or market it very hard. Um, so I still think there's a chance for me. I just get impatient sometimes. Yeah, it's, I, I think that that's some sorts of explosions of virality, like with what you were mentioning with being on the front page of Hacker News, it could spoil us in, in a certain way, right? Where we're like, you know, a, and I'll, I'll put it in the context of, of Twitter for me, right? Where a tweet might go off the charts or I'll, I'll make a tweet and I'll have like a huge influx of followers one day. And then the next day I'll get like nine followers. And then I think, well, I guess I'm not growing anymore. I'm, I'm stagnant, <laughs> right? This is not, right? And it's, it's, it's tough because like recently my Twitter growth hasn't been that great. Like I got 10 new followers yesterday, nine the day before, 19 the day before, nine the, the day before. And it's been very small numbers versus what I was used to uh, earlier or, you know, like when, when I made my announcement about my first dollar on the internet, about 262 followers that one day. So, yeah. right. And, and, and I see single digit numbers and I think, oh, you know, it's, I guess no one cares about me anymore. I'm not growing anymore. Um, my, my Twitter isn't working anymore. When in reality, small growth is still growth. Having yeah. that number go up every day, even if it's just one new user or one new follower in a day, that's huge. It means that you're, that you're still going. And I feel like, like that's something that's like undercut a lot of the times, right? We all like to see those, those huge numbers or the exponential growth when slow, steady growth is just as important. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's hard to zoom out, but you know, 10 followers a day and 10 days, you got a hundred and <laughs> you'll have a, you'll have a thousand in a few months, you know? So yeah, uh, it, I need to be better at zooming out and just remembering that small consistent growth will lead to large growth over the long run. Definitely. Exactly. Um, with some of the remaining time that we have, I actually want to transition into asking for your advice on something or maybe helping me through a decision that yeah. I have to make. So for context, this is about my, my Twitter course, right? The how to get your first quality 1000 followers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, um, after I made that announcement, one of my followers on Twitter who I'd actually connected with before he reached out to me saying that he was actually very passionate about the online course space. He knew a lot about it and wanted to talk to maybe, you know, answer some questions for me or walk me through some things. And I said, heck yeah. So we got on a call and it turns out that um, he, he wants to build an online course platform. So kind of like Teachable or Skillshare or, you know, Podia is one that he really likes. Um, so like another online course platform in general. And that's a, a space that he's really passionate about. He learned how to be, become a, a developer through online courses. 
and Mm -hmm. he really wants to build it out. And his value prop to me was instead of me hosting my course on Gumroad, um, for example, he can build me out a custom platform to host my course. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. And, and part of this is interesting to me because of one unique aspect of my course, which isn't a feature that I've seen in any other course platform thus far, which is in an effort to make my course more interactive. I want there to be like, you can take, you know, three modules and then there's going to be a checkpoint. And in that checkpoint, you have to send me some work and for, to, 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 for me to review. They're going to be a couple of different checkpoints, but the main ones are going to be, you know, profile picture, Twitter banner, Twitter bio, a tweet, a thread, right? And you send those to me and I give you feedback on it. And I think that my followers or anyone who purchases this course will find huge value in that because I'm already asked to do this a lot. Um, And I don't want people to be able to move on with the course until they do this, because that's how they ensure that they're not just breezing through it and they actually get value from this course. But from what I've seen, a lot of the course, the course platforms, they don't support a feature like that. So I'd probably have to hack it where like I make a course with like the first couple modules and then, and they buy that. And then when they send me work, then I can like add them to like a different course, which actually continues the first course, if that makes any sense. Um, And just kind of like hack it that way. But this guy said that he could build that out for me, which seems pretty cool. So that's, that's kind of like the upside. The downside, of course, is when someone's building something for you, you kind of become reliant on that. And I'm going to have to contribute some of my time with designing some of the things and helping out with copywriting if I want it to be released at a solid point. There's also, you know, everyone is familiar with Gumroad. Everyone, you know, is happy putting their money onto Gumroad's platform because they trust it. Versus if you use like a brand new platform, they might think, do I really want to put my money here? Do I trust that? Um, so it's, and, and, and Gumroad is also very trendy, right. For, especially in the indie hacker space, it's like, oh, it's Gumroad. Yeah. It's a product there. That's cool. Versus a product somewhere else. It can be like, what's this, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not as hype. So that's, that's the, the decision that I'm making. Damn, that's, <laughs> that's a tough one. Right. Um, yeah, I, so the first thing that comes to mind is Kenneth, Kenneth Cassell. And I, the first thing that came to mind is when you were talking about that no one's going to trust the website. Um, and I was just thinking about how he made vim.so, mm-hmm. uh, .so, and he made a good amount of money with it. Um, it's $25 and you learn vim. The website's pretty, of course. I think that contributes. Um, so I'd say that is a moment of proof that you can do it regardless of the platform you're on. I know Ben Barbersmith is building out SQL for humans. Um, so I think there's definitely room for success on different platforms. But I think the bigger question here for you is what you're mentioning about becoming reliant upon this platform and having to put in the work for yourself. Um, 
So I guess my question to you is how bad would it be to have something hacky on those other platforms? Like, do you have a sense of how much extra work that would be for you or how bad of a user experience that would be for people that pay for the course? Um, I mean, it's not optimal. I don't, it, and it would add some extra work. I don't think it would be that bad. I think it would be possible. I'm not super against using Gumroad at all. Um, I guess another downside about Gumroad is that they don't host your videos. So it's more like something that you, you download videos. Mm -hmm. If you've ever downloaded a Gumroad course, that's, is a video like Daniel Vasalo's, yeah. which means that someone can take that potentially and like upload it to YouTube or upload it somewhere else because they have it now. Versus if you host video streaming on mm -hmm. your platform, they can't take it, right? It's, it's, it's embedded into the website. I say not knowing anything about how this actually works, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's different though, right? And yeah. so that's, that, that's another potential concern, which I'm not that concerned about. I don't think I'm popular enough that people would want us to steal this and put it on YouTube. Um, but you know, it's, it is different. Again, it's with, with doing something hacky on Gumroad, I don't think it'll be that bad. I could also just have certain checkpoints that asks them to do this, but mm -hmm. let them continue if they don't want to. Um, mm -hmm. It's, you know, to, to make it easier for them to just skim through it if they don't actually want to put so much effort into it, which I don't know why people wouldn't want to if they're paying money to try to improve their Twitter. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. No, yeah. Um, so I, what's coming to my mind is that it, I think it's worth checking out something that would be catered to you because you know it's going to be optimal for all parties if you're the one saying what needs to be there. Um, of course, I think you need to be clear with this person that if it's not working out for you for any way, like it's just not going to work out. Mm -hmm. And I think if they're a reasonable person, they would think, yeah, that's fair. And you'd go on to put it somewhere else. And, uh, and yeah, and maybe that's something like you could test with a few people. Um, I'd be happy to before you actually release it to the public so that you can know if it's working out or not. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I think that's a good happy medium just being like, okay, I'll try this out. It sounds pretty good for me. But if it's not working out, uh, you know, my course is the important part for me. And so mm -hmm. I will find somewhere else that will make it work out. Right. Yeah, I, I, I like that you brought that up because I tend to think about things, you know, and like, yes or no, black or white. And mm -hmm. as I put in a tweet a while back ago, I need to get better at saying no to things, right? Yeah. Um, and this person did make it very clear. He said, like, you can, you can say yes for now. And if it's not working out, just say no. And that's completely fine. I completely understand. Um, which is, you know, he seems like a very understanding person and some backstory. He did this for another, uh, course creator, maybe like a year ago and built it out and got about like 80% of the way done with it. 
-hmm. And then she actually decided to just not do her course. Um, Things just came up. She just got too busy and she never made her course. Um, And so I guess he's, he's used to, I guess, creating this and stopping, but, but he's doing this because he eventually wants to create a course platform. Right. And that's, that's the upside for him with creating this for me for free is that I can build, I can bring some traffic and some awareness and some marketing into the platform that he's creating. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I know like for me, when people come to me and say things like, oh, you can say yes, but you can totally bail later. It never, it never feels that way. Right. It feels like I say yes and I'm totally screwed. this is probably a really reasonable person and I know that when I say that to people I really do mean it and so the case is probably the same for this person assuming they're kind and (laughs) good-hearted um so yeah I would I would say that this is worth trying it sounds like and that this is probably a reasonable person and if it's not working out then you'll both move on and they it's it won't even be that bad for, for this person, right? Because if it's not working out, you're going to give them feedback and you're going to show them what didn't work for you. And they're going to take that and they're going to learn from it. And honestly, they're probably going to go to some other Twitter person and be like, let me build a course for you. And right. They'll have the experience, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. Okay. That, that helps. That helps. Thank you. I think I'll probably do that and say yes preliminarily and then see where it goes but you know I'll I'll tag you to test it out when we get to that point and see how it works you've just listened to HackerPod if you enjoyed this episode you can find me on Twitter at underscore Joshua Fonseca or if you hated it you can find April Lynn at April Lynn A